Hey there, welcome to Matt Random. I'm Matt, and this is episode 31. Gonna say I got a lot of pretty, well, I won't say a lot. <laughs> I got a handful. Handful's a lot for me. I don't have really a lot of listeners. So I got a handful of uh, call-ins and feedback. Some people contacted me on MeWe, said cool stuff. And so I thought I would continue. I want to play some games, and unfortunately, my gaming group is struggling in all things of life, and we are finding it impossible to get together. So I decided that I'm doing laundry still. Yeah, I know. Amazing how many times you got to do laundry. It's that damn high efficiency save the earth washer. So, uh, yeah, episode 30. Let's go. Or, uh, episode 31. I don't know what I said before, but this is episode 31, okay? Episode 31. Remember that, episode 31. So this episode is going to be a little bit of a mishmash. Sorry about that, I just dropped a piece of paper. I've got a couple tools in front of me. And this is going to be a real off-the-cuff exploration slash playtest. Um, ooh, I should probably edit out the ums. Nah, because then it's not like a do-it-yourself thing. So, all right, so I watched a film recently called The Secrets of Blackmore that had to do with the uh, influence of Dave Arneson on the greatest hobby game ever written. Isn't that what they call Dungeons and Dragons and all this stuff? So we don't have to worry about wizards suing us. Wizards, come sue me. It'll be fun. Um, so anyway, in the video or in the movie, the, it's it's clearly a little biased. Yeah, Say what you want. I think it's kind of biased. Don't get me wrong. I think Dave Arneson had a lot of influence on gaming. And I think his initial steps were really what kind of was was the you know there was a small fire burning people were yearning for something more out of the wargaming community and Dave Wesley ran his Bronstein games and I'm not going to rehash this but he started it Dave Arneson took you know the little bread of crumbs that he left and that started him into his thing which became Blackmore which then led to D&D and yada 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 so I wanted to try to create something that was in the spirit of the way that Arneson played. Now, if you listen to the movie and you listen to certain people online, you will see that Dave Arneson doesn't really seem to have written down rules anywhere. And depending on who you're talking to, at which time in history you're talking about, the way he played his game changed. A lot of the time, that was really dependent upon what he wanted from his game at that time. And the thing that really struck me was during the game, I don't remember which one of the dudes said it, but one of them said the way Dave played was he presented a situation, the players came up with what they wanted to do, and then Dave would sit back and say, roll two dice. And if you rolled high... That was a good thing. If you rolled low, it was bad. And if it was in the middle, it was kind of, you sort of talked your way through it. 
And Dave had this internalization that he did that the players told him what they wanted to do and how likely that would happen would influence what that die result, what the die result was. So it wasn't all chance. And I think it was just that Dave was just a masterful storyteller. But anyway, so after watching that, I started playing around and I came up with what I'm calling Arneson Gaming. And somebody on, uh, you know, online snarky little a-holes, somebody said, do you have the rights to use that name? Uh, fuck you, whoever that was. I don't remember who that was now. But uh, this is an homage. This is an homage to Dave. So I'm going to call it Arneson Gaming because, well, I fucking feel like it. So anyway, uh, I posted it on uh, a couple little sneak peeks. Um, but I'm going to give you a quick what this game is and how it works. And then we're going to make a character and we'll see where I'm at time-wise. Okay, so let's get started on that. Oh, shoot, it's starting Shit. Uh, all right, so <laughs> this is a unprofessional podcast, and if you came here expecting something very professional, surprise. All right, so basically this game is very simple. So character creation is simply this. You write a name, and your name can imply traits, and traits are words or phrases that tell the referee what your character can do or what they're about. Uh, you don't want them to be too general, so you don't say, like, soldier. You say, Lord Dernstor, the brave leader of the 27th Regiment of Cavalry. It should imply a little bit more detail than he's, you know, a soldier. Uh, so you have your name, you have traits, and then you write down any specific gear that you think would be special and would apply some sort of benefit to having. Uh-oh. Oh, I didn't mute my phone. Sorry about that. All right, it's muted now. Unless my wife calls, you're good. So uh, back to what I was saying. You've got your name. you got some traits. And this is completely arbitrary. You want to be a psycho and have 50 traits? Hey, that's cool. Don't play my game. Go to your own game. Uh, write down some gear that would be helpful on your quest. And then you have four hit points. And if you have traits that suggest... Uh, more hit points, your referee could award you more hit points. So say one of your traits is the stone giant of hill folk. Obviously, you probably are a giant, and maybe you're a stone giant, and your hill, hill folk people are some hardy bastards, and your referee says, man, I think you would be tough and strong, so I'm going to give you some extra hit points. Cool? All right, so the way you do things are called tests. You roll 2d6. If it's high, that is a good result. If it's middling, somewhere in the middle there, a mixed result. Fleeting success, success with downside, failure with an upside. You know, it's up to the referee to kind of wing it. Low is obviously a bad result. So in addition to this, if you have traits that might help you, Instead of rolling 2d6, or did I say that? You roll 2d6 on this. If you have traits that are helpful, you roll 3d6, but you keep only the two highest dice. So it's sort of like an advantage. If you have a trait that would hinder you, you would roll 3d6 again, 
but you'd only keep the two lowest. So if you have some sort of trait that would get you in the ass, you would roll three and you keep the lowest. So it's kind of like advantage, disadvantage in D&D, just with a different mechanic, I guess. Um, and if there is an opposed check, uh, you're both grappling to get a hand on the gun to shoot the other one, or if you're in actual combat and you're both trying to stab each other with a fork, you would use 2d6, compare the, whoever gets the highest roll then wins that uh, session, or, or that betting, that round, I guess. Uh, and But also keep in mind traits. So if you had a trait that was, you know, you were the boxing champion of Rockford in... 1982 you obviously would have some sort of fighting skill you would roll 3d6 but again you only keep the two highest so you get an advantage depending on what you're doing and a pose can be anything not just combat if there's a tie it's it's up for the referee to decide if there is a winner so somebody rolls a 10 somebody rolls a 7 there is a three point difference that is the damage or the effectiveness of the success. So that's a little bit up to the GM to, or the referee, I'm sorry, to figure out. Also, if you have cool gear that the player thinks would help the GM, that would provide a one uh, plus to your die total. And that's after, if you have traits or whatever, your two highest, then you would take that plus one. If it's too lowest, you'd still take the plus one. Uh, armor, if you have armor, like plate and all that, it grants extra hit points. Referee figures that shit out. Okay? So that's really it for the system. Uh, I know that's probably, wow, it took me five and a half minutes to explain that. I would hope at the table it would take far less. All right, so I've kind of got a little bit of an idea that I want to do for this play test. Just to, I, I did fantasy before and I want to do something different. I'm a huge fan of Pulp Adventure. Uh, men's adventure novels from, you know, the 40s and 50s, the pulp comics like Buck Rogers. Uh, I really like that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, um, John Carter, Mars, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I really like that. Uh, I don't know what you call it. Pulp is what I always call it. So the pulpy men's adventure. Men were awesome. Yeah. Women were always damsels in distress. Sorry to all the women listening. I apologize. But I like that. I like the manly man with the mustache and the, the, you know, I will save you kind of thing. Anyway, I have seen this before, but I recently came into the possession of these books. They are produced by Weta, which if you've seen Lord of Rings, you've seen their work and a variety of other things. But it's called Dr. Gorbert's. Gorbert? Gorbert's? Yeah, Gorbert's. Uh, and... <laughs> There, I've got three of the books. I don't know if there's more. These just happened to pop up on eBay one day, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. Got them for like five bucks a piece. Uh, they're kind of comic books, like graphic novels, but at the same time, they're kind of a catalog of weapons and gear and spaceships. And, the, you know, this this is clearly set in the vein of... John Carter of Mars. Uh, it involves the the stories all involve this piece of dumbass but manly man guy named Lord Coxswain, and he's confident. He 
bumbles his way through life. He's always smoking a cigar, drinking some horrible, I don't know if it's vodka or I don't know. But, you know, he travels through space. Venus has an atmosphere. There's horrible, hideous monsters on it. And he goes about violently killing them. There's one book called Triumph. There's another book called Victory. They're all written by a dude named Greg Broadmore. And then I got this other book, and I, I hope there's more of these. I really haven't looked, but it's Dr. Gorbort's Contrapolatronic Dingus Directory. And it's like all these cool-ass guns, the world-famous Positron 12, the Neverbright Portable Massatron, uh, Dr. Gorbort's Infallible Aether Oscillators, the Man Melter 3600ZX, uh, Wave Disruptor Gun, Portable Inertial Knot, the Falcon 6000 Moonfighter. Anyway, if you're like, I don't know, you like this kind of stuff, you will spooge your pants over this stuff. It's absolutely cool. Uh, this one actually... It doesn't really have a story at the end, I don't really think. It's just kind of a collection of Lord Coxwain killing aliens for the hell of it. So I've kind of got this idea that I kind of want to do that. Um, so what I've done is I've created some random tables, and I have some names. I'm just going to do some random names, and then I will use my awesome Arneson Gaming to come up with a character and I have some story cubes. I have the Mythic GM emulator. I have a wide variety of dice in front of me. And I have my tablet if I really get stuck. And I'm just going to kind of wing it. So let's get started. All right. So, all right. I know I'm going to create at least one character. And I've got a little table here that I made. So I'm going to roll randomly. It's a D6. Find out what his name is. His name is... Ithacus Bentley. <laughs> That's that is a fucking terrible name. Alright, so Ithacus. Ithacus uh I'm gonna call him Dash for short. Ithacus Dash. Uh what was it? Oh, Bentley. Bentley. I don't know if that is I think he would probably talk with a terrible British accent. I apologize to anyone British listening to this. I'm an American, and I pretend to have a terrible accent that was explained to me, and I learned from um, terrible James Bond films. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, The Monkees? Uh, oh, what's that dude's name? Austin Powers? Because he has the best British accent, and it's accurate. Don't lie. It's accurate. So, all right, so what makes Dash Bentley cool? I hate the name Ithacus already. So what makes him cool? So he is a, a famous space explorer. He is also a notorious fowler. Of gadgets, and the the way oh I misspelled gadgets. I can't spell. That's a very true statement. The way I kind of see that is when he uh, is is exposed to some cool new gadget that he's never used before. Odds are he'll have, be at a disadvantage when he uses it. 
And the other thing that he is known for, he is an exemplary, <laughs> if you can see how I spelled that, it'd be entertaining. Exemplary example of manliness. All right, so that is, that is Dash Bentley. So what is Dash doing these days? All right, so I'm grabbing my Rory Story Cubes, and this is just the basic, uh, I think they have like a whole bunch of other ones, and there's probably a cool pulp sci-fi one. I don't have that. So what I've got is the very basic, uh, let's see, there's two, four, six, eight. Wow, there's really, is there really an uneven number? Nine cubes, there is. Whoa, I thought maybe I lost one or something. So there are nine cubes, and that's a lot. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to... Shake these up a little bit. Hope you can hear that. It sounds cool. Dice sound awesome when they're rolling out. And I'm going to pick three blindly. I've got my eyes closed. You can't see that. There's two. Oh, I can't find the other dice. I lost them. There we go. I've got three. All right. So, okay. So I've got, ooh, that's got a cool alien dude on it. Some sort of monster. And I'm going to roll that. And I got, oh, I got the, oh, wow. That's weird. I got the alien's head. It's got like an alien head. It looks like a kid or person with a shadow that looks like a monster. And then I got a falling star. Hmm. So those are my, I don't know what you want to call it, my hallmarks of what my adventure is going to be about. Uh, one thing I wanted to say about these books uh, the Dr. Gordbort books, uh, they usually, I believe they both take place on Venus. So he is exploring Venus. One of them takes place on an asteroid. I know that. So let's see. So, all right. So alien monster and a falling star. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. I got it. All right, so Dash, who is, of course, working for the motherland, you know, God save, God save the queen, old chap. He is, uh, he's working with the kingdom. He is an agent of the queen and the royalty, and he has come under the, uh, he's discovered a rumor that the terrible Nazis, because Nazis are always cheap, easy bad guys, right? The Nazis, who are still around, I don't know, World War II didn't end the way we thought it did. Uh, they are planning an attack on the Queens, we'll call it Queensland. Uh, Queensland. And uh, so they're, they're, they're planning an attack on Queensland, which is a British stronghold on Venus. It's it's the capital of the British Empire on Venus. And all that's known is that, let's see. Okay, so, you know, Venus has a very thick, cloudy atmosphere. And so the usual style of spaceship that we would think of in pulp is quick zooming around, you know, uh, what's the TIE fighters and X-Wings, X quick moving, that doesn't work on Venus because you have to move slower because you can't see anything because it's all cloudy. 
but in addition to that, the atmosphere is so thick that uh, and heavy, it's still, you can breathe it. It's still oxygen. You can still breathe it. Don't ask me how that works. It's science. Uh, but the atmosphere causes everybody to, instead of using fast, quick spaceships, they're using a dirigible type thing. And what they are going to, the Nazis are planning to do is the falling star is actually a bombing run. And the Nazis are, of course, dealing in the dark arts, because you always got to throw in a little bit of Cthulhu in there, right? And the, the so I'm going with my dice here. Uh, that's the falling star. I got that covered. And then I've got the uh, monster sneaking up on the kid. That makes me think of Cthulhu and crap. So I'm going to say the Nazis have mastered a way to harness the dark arts and have summoned shadow demons. And what they're going to do is they've, they've captured these shadow demons in bombs, large, you know, you ever seen the photos of a uh, fat man and what was it? Big boy and fat man, you know, the original atomic bombs, they were massive. They're like the size of a small car. So of course it's pulp. We got to go bigger than that. Right? So the Nazis have trapped the demon horde known as Cthulhu, <laughs> K apostrophe, oh, yeah, I can't speak, K apostrophe, T-U-L-U, Cthulhu. That's such a cliche, huh? I feel really bad about it. I should probably change it. Nah, never mind. All right, so the Nazis have harnessed the dark arts, summoned the horde of Cthulhu, and their plan is to sneak through the atmosphere in their super science, slow-moving dirigible that will drop these massive, we're talking 100-ton bombs through the thick atmosphere of Venus onto Queensland, the British stronghold on Venus. And I've got one die left, which is the alien. And I think that is, you know, you, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this. So I've got my GM uh, emulator, Mythic GM emulator, and I'm gonna start with the Chaos Factor. Is at five? If you're not familiar with this, you know I'm not gonna explain it to you. Sorry. Uh, go watch. Um, if you really want to learn, go watch the Me Myself and Die uh, podcast. Well, it's video, but it's a podcast on YouTube. Search for it you'll find it. The guy explains how to do it. So the chaos die I'm at right now, the rank chaos rank, sorry, is five. So I'm going to say these are aliens. Okay. That's why I got the little alien head. So the alien, um, what chance do I think that the aliens are allies of the British and they're native to Venus? And are they going to help are they allies or are they not? So are they allies of the British? And what you do is I'm going to, I've got a 50, 50, you want to roll lower in this instance. So let's see, I rolled a 36. So the aliens are allies of the British aliens are allies. I'm writing this down. I'm sure this is very exciting to all of you. So the aliens, Oh, wow. I, I wrote aliens are aliens. They are allies, woo-wee, allies to the Brits. 
So this is what I think is, this is my scene, okay? I'm, I'm setting up my scene. I'm going to put away my, my story dice. Maybe I'll use them a little bit here in a minute. So I've got the Nazi dirigible uh, that is going to drop giant bombs with the Cthulhu horde inside of them on the city of Queensland. And the people that brought the rumor to Dash are aliens. They're the native, uh, what do you call Venus people? Venetians? Uh, that sounds cool. Venetians. The Venetians have brought the rumor to Dash that the Nazis are launching a horrible attack on the city of Queensland, and they are going to set this horde free on the city. Will Dash be able to stop them? Editor's note. I re-listened. That, does that make sense? I listened. I listened to my podcast, which is odd. I don't normally do that, but I, I don't know. Anyway, I did it, and I realized a few things. First thing is Fat Man and Little Boy. I got the name wrong. Those were the nuclear warhead bombs. Nuclear bombs. That's what they were. Nuclear bombs dropped during World War II on Japan that ended the war. So they weren't, they were the first and only nuclear devices used in war. So just editor's note, I'm, I'm a history guy. I, I couldn't think of the name because I was focusing so much on the game, but that is the case for them. Uh, also, in the creation of Dash, I inadvertently forgot in my excitement for the game, I inadvertently forgot to give him gear. So I rectified that off camera, as it were, and I gave him two pistols. He has two pistols, and oh, here comes Mickey. Mickey, jump up there. There you go. That's my, my puppy. You'll probably hear him bark during some of these podcasts. So Dash has two pistols that he likes to carry. One is the, oh, hold on. Mickey, stop. Don't, don't. He's got a squeaky toy. It's a little squirrel. He likes to chew it. So Dash has two pistols. One is the Goliathon 83. And this is a pretty cool looking uh, weapon. It's called the Infinity Beam Projector. And it says that it projects an infinity beam, infinity beam or accelerated aether. Jeez, I can't speak tonight. I, I think I have a regular thing where I can't speak during most of my podcasts, can I? <clears throat> accelerated aether conduit that can vaporize exactly 200 pounds of guinea pigs in three earth seconds. So it's a pretty badass little pistol. Uh, it's, it says that you can dial the settings from super powerful to just a little bit. Uh, and it uses a depleted aether, or it uses an aether canister to power it, whatever that is. Uh, his other pistol is a Man Melter 3600ZX, which I believe I mentioned previously. It is a subatomic disintegrator pistol. It's designed to rapidly excite the particles in biological material through infrawave fandanglement and cause a target to super, superheat and lose structural cohesiveness. <laughs> it further says, a jet of high-pressure hmm, phlogistron is dispersed and is central to the burst into flaminess of the target subject. So it causes fires, which 
I'm assuming the Nazi Zeppelin is not being held aloft by explosive gas, but hey, this is pulp, so it probably is. Uh, the other things that he carries is Gordbert's emergency portable inertial belt. And this is uh, going to be used in place of a parachute because parachutes are lame and belts that somehow negate or slow the effect of gravity on a falling body are so much cooler. And then he also carries, oh, I forgot to randomly determine how many. He carries 10. 10 of Gordbert's Implodizational disruption pellets. I imagine these to be small, marble-sized things that he can throw down in a Batman-esque way and create a small black cloud that can help him disrupt or escape or get out of dangerous situations. All right, so there you go. That is the opening segment of what I'm calling my Solo Lee Adventures. This is the second one. If you have missed the previous one, you can listen to it. I used uh, Fighting Fantasy Classics uh, to do that one. And this one, I will be using my own Arneson gaming system. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this, come back maybe tomorrow. I'll post another one. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you later.